it's funny how the, the national anthem for the U.S. is more like a, a story, like, on a dark and stormy night. Mm-hmm. This one's it. Canada's like, we love it, eh? That's funny, because I that's I've thought that, too, about, um, yeah, that it is like a story. And uh, didn't we steal the music from, like, an English one or something? Probably, but you know, the original national anthem was not the Star Spangled Banner. It was, um, America, America, God shit. That, that was the original one. I thought it was that Lee Greenwood song. <laughs> We're gonna kick this, you in the ass. There was a, Hello, and welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. And hey. how's it going? <laughs> we this is it's uh, good. yeah. In the interest of transparency, we have had many technical issues this week, and yeah. so it's. I think it's kind of caught us both by surprise that we're actually rolling. I had a weird. We talked about the the the, the topic that we were going to talk about tonight, and I had a very weird intro to it, which has to do with another podcast. So I'll, okay. I'll lay that on you, right. which is I listened to a podcast called "How Did This Get Made," um, which How is. How have I not heard of that? Hang oh, on. it's a, it's amazing. So it's uh, Paul Shear, um, Jason Manzukas, and uh, Paul's wife June Diane Raphael. Um, they talk about terrible movies diane raphael that sounds like a great name how did this get made or i'm subscribed so it's all about terrible movies which appeals to me uh as a former blockbuster employee who consumed hundreds of these (laughs) with his you know two free checkouts every night Mm -hmm. um so anyway they they um they were talking well i listened to a i listened to a podcast recently it was i don't know if it was a recent podcast but it was about uh they had watched lawnmower man um, which I believe is like 91, 92, it stars mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan and Jeff Fahey. And it's, I remember it as uh, Stephen King's Lawnmower Man, uh, which was definitely mm-hmm. how it was advertised when it came out on video. But yeah. they they explained this whole story of how Stephen King, it was someone had the rights to a Stephen King story called Lawnmower Man, et cetera, et cetera. He sued because the movie had nothing to do with his story. They just wanted to use his name and he actually so won. The, the, the movie has nothing to do with the Stephen King book. Right. Okay. And I've always been it wasn't even a book. It was a, it was a seven page short story. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and so he sued him, he won, but they, uh, they finally removed the name from the theatrical version. But then when they put it on video cassette, I guess the company claimed the, <laughs> the, the winning lawsuit didn't apply to the video cassette. So huh. it's still printed up everywhere as Stephen King's lawnmower man, even though it's a totally made up thing. So I, I, I've never seen this movie. I just remember it was on our blockbuster trailer tapes that we had to watch, you know, all day, every day. Um, so I knew a good bit about, like, at least I knew the sort of premise of the movie when they're talking about it. And they mentioned this thing. There's one moment in the movie where they're talking about, so the movie has to do with virtual reality and mm-hmm. sort of, uh, boy, this is a crazy tangent that I'm going to try to tie into our main topic, but it has to, um, they talk about how badly this virtual reality and like the internet is imagined, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then there's all these, these parts that we recognize from bad sort of B movies or eighties and nineties sci-fi where uh, science fiction is just kind of explained like, Hey, it's science, you know, like there's always some character that's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. 
And uh, <laughs> it's yeah. that science. I'm a hacker. Uh, my my right. favorite was when in Jurassic Park, she at the very end she wheels the little kid wheels the the thing up. She's like, oh, "This is a Unix system. I know this. I'm a hacker." And she's like constantly talking about her hacking abilities. And like at no time does she ever hack anything. It's just that <laughs> I'll just click this and this and internet stuff. Right? Yay! Yeah, another, another movie that How Did This Get Made talks about is Hackers. <laughs> oh Angelina my god! TV, oh wow! Um, which is uh, which is uh, that theme, you know, taken to its, its total climax. But by the, um, by the way, real, real quick before we go on, because I pulled up the Lawnmower cast right away. Guess who was in it that I had no? I've seen this movie two or three times. I had no idea Breaking Bad's own Dean Norris, freaking <laughs> Uncle. What's it, what was his Breaking Bad name? It was uh, it was he was the, never he was watched the, it. Oh my God! <laughs> You've never watched Breaking Bad? I've I've tried several times to watch it. Hank, I can't get it. Uncle Hank himself is in is in Lawnmower Man. That's bizarre to me because he's like I only know him from Breaking Bad. So I'm sorry. Just, for those at home who are like, oh, I gotta go watch Lawnmower Man. Well, pause this, go watch it, find Dean Norris, come back, and we'll continue. <laughs> because the podcast from this point on will have nothing to do with it. But <laughs> I just so they you know basically it hit me while I was listening to this that. In the 80s and 90s, sci-fi was really loose with that. It was basically fantasy, which touches on an episode we did in our season one where we talked about sci-fi and we were, I can't remember if we preceded The Martian with that conversation or, or it came afterwards, but we did, we did one podcast on The Martian. We did one on sci-fi and talked about hard sci-fi being sort of factual sci-fi that, you know, it was like sci-fi that could happen. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about this through the lens of all these superhero movies that we've watched lately. And, and you and I just on a podcast on arrival and it just hit me like what a change there's been in 20 years where f- fantasy used to be much more a- accepted. It was sort of like we, we weren't always picking it apart. I mean, I know that's the, that's the joke of how did this get made is to, to pick apart sort of the bad logic of movies, but um you know, but really that's, that's just fantasy, you know, it's not hard sci-fi. And so it's, it's, you know, it's kind of unfair sometimes to pick apart fantasy sci-fi as though it's hard sci-fi, as though this is supposed to be like, you know, stuff that could happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously they got, they got into a problem because the whole plot is about virtual reality and some kind of internet. And these are things that exist and, you know, were nascent at the time of the movie. So, um, they were, you know, kind of stating that it was a hard sci-fi movie. Anyway, um, that will what we really wanted to talk about were, <laughs> were uh, a slew of uh, Marvel movies, both within the MCU and not. Um, and Doctor Strange, I just, you know, that kind of uh, that kind of tied in for me be- because um, really, Doctor Strange approaches uh, fantasy. If from a from a kind of hard sci-fi way, you know, I mean, this is Doctor Strange learns magic like anyone learns anything, and I, yeah, I think I actually yeah. read that in a, a review. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not well, trying she, to, I'm not trying to steal that idea from someone else. But it was. Oh no, no, they say noticed, it in the freaking you know? trailer. She's, she, you know, he's like, "How am I going to learn how to get from here to there?" And she's like, yeah. "How did you become a surgeon?" He's like, "Patience and practice." Yeah, and, you know. Yeah, and he's you know he's reading books as soon as he learns to sort of teleport. He's stealing books out of the library. I mean, yeah. Um, so we almost got almost, you know, I mean, it's not quite hard sci-fi, but it's a, no. 
it's within that believable I, I know believable is that kind of is that a bad word to use there yeah um, i wouldn't call but i mean when you throw dormammu into the mix like the believability kind of goes out the window i you know it's weird that you as you're saying this i'm thinking back to my reaction when i was watching it and like you know it was a very psychedelic movie right and it's it's like it's presentation but you're right like so much of it was kind of academic you know and almost I'm not saying it was it was modeling Harry Potter because clearly this came in terms of comics before Harry Potter, but there's there was sort of a wizarding school aspect to it that I kind of liked, and they sort of you know I think part of that was just a showcase. Yeah, he's a he's a top notch surgeon who's going to become a top notch you know what a, a, a sorcerer. Um, yeah, interesting. I'm going to ponder that a little bit more. Yeah. So we we talked about Doctor Strange on a, a live podcast we did, which we will not plug at all. Um, but but I figured if we wanted to kind of get into that, that we can. But specifically, I thought let's cover um, some of these Marvel movies that I have binged in the last two weeks that we didn't really do great service to over the past year. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, you're so, right. We've we kind uh, of missed a few. We did miss a few, didn't we? Or I saw like them and you C- hadn't C- seen C- them, or you know. Right, right. And then even like Civil War, we just sort of mentioned it. I remember we. I know we had like an off-air conversation about. Yeah, do we need to cover that anymore? <laughs> God, Civil War feels like years ago now for me. But geez, that was May, wasn't it? Holy crap! Well, and that's probably the easiest one to start with, and it's the one that I watched first on my binge. Um, I, I I rented it when I was uh, recently on a you know flight across country and. And just watched it on the flight. And um, I, one of the things we didn't get, I think this was kind of why we didn't get into it at the time. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think the action sequences in it are the best of any Avengers movie, like period. Like the oh, yeah, fights phenomenal. and stuff are amazing. And the story is kind of garbagey. Here's the th- and it- <laughs> Okay, so I'm glad you said that because I recently, not we're not going to talk about it, but I recently watched Suicide Squad. And okay. as I was going through it, I, I thought to myself, you know, <sighs> Civil War looks amazing, but you're right. This, there's a lot of weird, wonky story stuff to the point where it's like, I mean, there's, I would say pound for pound, the story problems in Civil War are the same as Suicide Squad. And people I just can't, I can't disagree with you about that. And people rip on Suicide Squad to no end or any of these DC dark movies. And they just give every free pass in the world to the MCU. I think part of that is just simply because the MCU has built up so much goodwill at this yeah. point um, over eight years that it's easy to do that. But yeah, when you start to really dissect Civil War, I mean, so many things, so many plot holes and so many issues. Like my, the one that comes to mind immediately is where, um, is it Baron? What's his name? Baron? Blah, what's his? Uh, the little kid from uh, Inglorious Bastards. Um, Baron Zemo, um, or just I think he's just Zemo in this movie. But sure, Zemo's yes. he's reading out the he's reading out of the uh, diary like the trigger words. Yes. And I'm like, all all Bucky had to do was close his ears. Like, why was he? You know, he was in there. Like, he didn't. He could just or he could have screamed out and gone la 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 la. Like, he's in Hold there on. trying to <laughs> close his ears. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 plug his ears with his fingers. Like, well, I, I believe his his hands are strapped down because he actually has they? to break out of the strap with the mechanical arm. But yeah. I thought he had I thought he had done that halfway through, so he still could have like plugged his ears, or he still could have like screamed really loud, or like you know, it's uh, I like I mean it's problematic. I think that scene and many others are even if they're not you know even if you can defend it in the way I just sort of lamely did like. 
yeah, there's still a problem with it. Like that okay, is weird. Well, why, uh, why didn't why didn't he once he ripped one arm free, you know, stick his well, finger in his ear? Let's take it even a step further. Zemo's entire plan, like I love that the actor who plays him is great, but his entire plan is the most convoluted nonsense. Like he's got to he's got to kill this guy to get this journal to then re- recite these words to free this guy to get this guy mad at this guy to then get them back to this base where he's not even going to activate the super soldiers at the base he's just going to kill them all spoilers to just get these two guys to fight more to make it's like what what like when you really list it out when you like whiteboard it out it's i i wonder where kevin feige was during those plot meetings like why did well, they think that was like who's running the show like what the hell and they just kind of i wonder if they've gotten so um so machine-like with their workflow now that there isn't sort of a a filter for some of that to go through like because if they had done like two or three more passes at that script they could have tightened up a lot of that stuff well that that's funny because uh, that doesn't even like that's doesn't even approach the stuff that i think is problematic like okay the, the the place where and see i think one of the reasons it gets credit is because some a lot you know I think people, like you said, people, have, they've earned a lot of goodwill. The Marvel universe has, mm-hmm. but also um, when it was called civil war, we, we sort of knew what it was going to be about because of the first civil war series that mm-hmm. Marvel did. And we knew they were going to take some liberties with it, but when it, when it comes in, uh, uh, so there's, there's a, a bad accident in, um, I, I believe they're, oh, I think they're in uh, Nigeria. Where when mm-hmm. the explosion happens that mm-hmm. uh, Scarlet Witch tries to control and and ends up still killing in the people. opening in the opening yeah. sequence <clears throat> and so yeah. the next you know there's a, a couple scenes later all the Avengers are gathered around this table and this U.S. official you know government official comes in and drops this huge book on the table and says it's the Sokovia Accords mm-hmm. no one at that moment explains what the Sokovia Accords are. And the book is like an inch and a half thick. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A scene later where like either Falcon or uh, War Machine or whatever his name is, Iron Patriot, or like somebody's reading it a little bit later. But like, you know, Steve doesn't read it. Tony presumably has been briefed on it. Uh, Black Widow doesn't read it. Nobody else reads this. Like they all have opinions on it and no one has explained it. And they all just start saying, like, what's that mean? They control us, you know? And sure enough, that's what they do. But it's like, guys, I'm 30 seconds of that. Like, they, you know, it's such a dramatic. Actually, what he does before he drops a big book on the table is the government official plays clips of all the destruction that's the Avengers' fault, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and Steve's the one that's like, okay, enough. You know, what's this about? <laughs> and uh, But you think, like, well, he didn't even have to come in and say that. He could have said, guys, you know. <laughs> Let's in light of the it. last accident we have proposed these accords and just like bullet point it for them you know like we're not and i and it's kind of like what you said about suicide squad like if i nitpick stuff like this uh I, you know i can just sort of hear the voices of people who are like that's ridiculous just don't nitpick that like just roll yeah. with it you know yeah. but it's like isn't that what people are nitpicking about lawnmower man in this episode? Yeah, you know, this game? You know it's like oh we, we live in a world where we under we can understand like uh fantasy as it ties to reality a little bit better when it's I know we understand fantasy a little bit better when it is tied to reality or something. I, I and, think 
By yeah. the way, I love, I love your Steve Rogers impression. I, I think the, <laughs> you gotta be, if you're an executive at Warner brothers, like you gotta be like after civil war comes out and then like, you're like, okay, cool. There's some plot holes, but you know, suicide squad, we're on the same page and everybody just shits on suicide squad. You've got to be just pulling your hair out. Like, come on. Like what the hell to their, to their, you know, to the Marvel fans credit. I think the big, difference is that the dcu is so grim and dark that that just you know that makes everybody miserable going in and then so they they they're more apt to nitpick stuff whereas if you have a bright shiny iron man costume and a bright shiny captain america costume and everybody's happy and smiling you know and freaking black panther smiles and puts on like everybody gets so caught up in that they don't look at these obvious story flaws i'll tell you this i haven't rewatched civil war since like normally, I watch these Marvel movies at least two or three times. Um, well, that's that's the other reason we didn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I've seen like the original Avengers that came out, which also had its flaws, but for the most part was a pretty solid little little film. I've I own that. I watch that you know once or twice a year now. So it's like that that since then, and I think once. Civil War, you know, those Marvel movies in May are kind of like the kickoff to the summer. So they really sort of set the tone for what's to come. And I, you know, I used to be the biggest, like, you know, summer movie guy of all time. Like, I appreciate film, but summer movies are like an amusement park ride. And I'm like, yeah, here we go. This is the first summer in a long time where I just, I left Civil War going, well, yeah, I guess. You know, I wasn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I just kind of felt meh about it. And I wonder what that's, you know, what that's, what you could tie to that if it was the plot if it was just everything if it was fatigue i don't know well it's also a little long um, it is yeah you're right and it's but you know when you're talking about other movies that we feel like maybe didn't get a fair shake um I, uh we did you and i did talk about superman versus batman um which you know if you stack it up against civil war even if you stack up the theatrical version mm-hmm. like what you know, what is the difference? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I got that feeling of like, you know, why are these two heroes fighting each other? But the fight scene at the end of Civil War is more brutal yeah, than the Superman Batman one because these are both mortal people. Yeah. And, and it's more senseless. Mm-hmm. The Superman Batman, I've also on my binge last weekend, so I know we're not going to touch on this too much because it's not Marvel, but I, I watched the extended version, which is like three fucking hours long. Jesus. <laughs> but so it took me, I was just, I just checked in, you know, yeah. when I had time to check into this. Um, but it, the now granted, it should have been two movies. I think at that point, it's like, mm-hmm. if you shoot three hours and that's what makes sense, make it two movies. Mm-hmm. But um Unless you're Peter Jackson. <clears throat> oh God. Yeah. And then make it, <laughs> then make three, three hour movies. <laughs> but um, it does at like instantly stuff starts. They start tying stuff up in the extended cut. That's not tied up in the theatrical cut. And so I do wonder if like, is there some version of civil war out there that, mm-hmm. you know, was there some cut that was much longer where this conflict was explained better because like I said, the Sokovia Accords are dropped on this desk. Tony and Steve instantly have positions on it. And from that moment on, they're angry at each other. And I actually like the reveal of Zemo to uh, Black Panther when he, when he explains his plot of like, mm-hmm. this, is, you know, I, I, this is why I did all this, to, to sow this discord and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it sets up the rest of the MCU, like the movies to follow, I think, are set up really well because of that. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's that all teetering on this really flimsy 
like plot device in the beginning of these accords that we don't know anything about you know yeah to be fair though that didn't bug me so much because think about how much legislation in this country is just glanced at and then passed without any you know so it's like (laughs) there's a little if if anything you could argue that is accurate because like people just you know we pass stuff willy-nilly and nobody seems to care well the thing that's you know the thing that's weird that like comes true later is in the accords like one of the things steve brings up is what if we think we should go somewhere and and they don't want us to and you're like they how, how do you even know this concerns of they? I mean, the guy's the official, and I believe, I'm not totally sure, but I believe that's, um, oh, it's the, I think it's the general that's always pestering the Hulk. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah, but, um, uh, the Ross, General Ross. Ross. I believe that's Ross that, that drops this on him. But um, he, uh, you know, he says something about the UN or whatever, but he doesn't explain, like, they're going to be in charge of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... And the other thing, you know, that we brought up on the podcast before that this is just, uh, it's, it's not in line with, (laughs) he he comes in and he's like, you're a private outfit and you can't do the blah, 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 blah. They're not a fucking private outfit. Like shield put them together and shield is a government agency that worked with Hydra. You know, it's like, (laughs) get off your fucking high horse, Ross. Like they, it's, it's just ridiculous in, uh, um, Winter Soldier, we found out that Tony Stark was actually helping S.H.I.E.L.D. repair the helicarriers. Yeah, Winter, Winter yeah. Soldier is where we find out that Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. are the same organization. Mm-hmm. And and then as we've covered over and over, like, it's all Tony Stark's fault in Avengers and in Ultron. Like, that's yeah. his doing. And in Iron Man 1, 2, and 3. Like, <laughs> he is the cause of all the Avengers' problems. Um, yeah. And presumably, he's the one that's, like, got them on some kind of payroll to live in his, you know... Uh, the Avengers complex or tower or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, we assume that's all being paid for by Iron Man, but again, like give us, give us one minute of exposition that explains what's going on in some that's of those, just it. you know, just have, like a- just have Tony Stark say, look, I can't afford, like we're, we're going to be legally liable or something. I can't afford the, whatever. I don't know that. I know that'd be stupid, but it's like, just say it. Just. Uh, when we talk about, when we talk about affording stuff, the other big sort of thing that I actually, in the theater, I audibly went, what was when they reveal that in the middle of the ocean, they built this giant, like, for, like robotic fortress to, to house, I guess, you know, metahumans. And who do yeah. they end up housing? Falcon, a regular dude. Ant-Man, a regular dude. Hawkeye, yeah. a regular dude. Oh, and Wanda, too. But, like, they put, like, the least... I mean, with the exception of Wanda, they put like the least like power, like the normal regular dudes in this freaking like ultra max, like floating prison that costs like a billion dollars, probably. Like, who was that for? And, like, why you could have just put them in a jail somewhere and they would have been just as secure. Man, that is such a good point. <laughs> I'm like, that is no that is as ridiculous. That moment right there is as ridiculous as freaking um what's her face in suicide squad getting a bunch of criminals to go hunt down enchantress in the middle of an abandoned exactly. city like there's no difference in the in the insanity of those two decisions but people just let it slide because it's again yeah. well, you know it's i'm like ah, i and i get the letting it slide a little bit you know it's a summer movie it's fun but it makes me it makes me a little worried that you know <sighs> 
if people let it slide and let it slide and let it slide, we're just going to be in a spot where the freaking uh, Joel Schumacher Batman is okay again. Yeah, like, exactly you know, right. Yeah. We can't have that happen again. So like, we've got to like, we've got to like collectively sort of remind ourselves like, yeah, it was fine, but here's the problems and like continuously try to push them to make better and better stuff. Um, right. It's, I mean, we're smart enough, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, <laughs> um, I, 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 that's the thing. The action sequences, like if you're going to the movie just for that, I, you know, for the action sequence, it's going to be there. Yeah. And, um, if, well, if you want to action, let's just get dust off Arnold Schwarzenegger out of retirement and have him make all those Michael Bay style movies again. And let's just do right, that. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, I, so I, you know, that, that probably is, I, unless you have more to say about civil war, I, I that's probably a good way to, to flip it right there because the next movie I watched was Deadpool, oh. which, um, uh, you had seen in the theater, am I correct? I did. I'd seen it in the theater a couple of weeks after it came out. Um, oh, wow. So I was, yeah, I was, it was very, it was kind of a sparse. It was me and like eight other people. So, I, and I, you know, I had heard all the hype when it was in the theater and I, I just never, I, I didn't think it would really appeal to me. And then I had friends say like, oh, you're not going to like it, uh, which I took to mean like it's, it's too gory and silly mm-hmm. or something. And, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but I ended up loving that. And when you talk about like action movie in the Schwarzenegger movies or whatever, uh, the Deadpool description, at least when I, uh, you know, where I bought it online was, uh, you know, from the studio that brought you all three Taken movies. <laughs> like it was all kind of, you know, tongue in cheek kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was exactly what like all those Taken movies and all those Schwarzenegger movies should have been. Like this was mm-hmm. like a superhero diehard and it was Yeah. Ooh, awesome. that's a really good comparison. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's a perfect comparison. Oh my God. You're the first person to say though. I mean, I'm sure it's been said otherwise, but I have not heard it from anyone yet. It is. But that's exactly what it should be. (laughs) It's possible that I got that from, uh, from our, some, sometime, um, co-conspirator uh brian who also coined ned's head but that he oh, and i had a, hey, brian you gotta get on the show more often your own show. This is, he like, and I had a conversation great. about it where we were talking about um action movies that it is like and yeah Die Hard came up like yeah this is just you know uh, the I, I one of the things that that put me off was all the talk about the fourth wall breaking i just thought i don't i don't want a really corny like i don't want a jim carrey movie you know <laughs> And, <laughs> yeah we're just hamming it up for the for the camera uh, but it really turned out to be more like um more like die hard in that way of of where you know um mclean is muttering to himself you know come to the coast have some fun like when he's crawling through the air ducts and stuff like mm-hmm. that's that was kind of what it it sounded like to me you know mm-hmm. when that was doing that and the and the jokes were awesome like they were <laughs> You know, when he was making jokes on himself and the the uh, f- the medium of film, they all worked, you know? Well, they all worked only because Ryan Reynolds knew exactly how to – I mean, like, it, it was like watching Van Wilder 2 as a superhero movie, right? Like, he knows exactly how to mug for the camera. Like, you couldn't have cast anyone else to do that. And I'm so glad he, he stuck with it because he's – I mean, he's been involved in that project for, God, what, six or seven years now? Um, yeah. And he's been I mean, largely on the back of him and Tim Miller's, you know, ideas, like pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Fox is like, no, no. So they finally gave him a shot, gave him very little money to do it. And only because like that guy is, I mean, he was born for that role. So it worked really well. Um, yeah. Here's my point though with Deadpool. And th- this is, I mean, 
again, I, I, did that come before? That was before Batman v Superman, right? Or was it yes. right? Okay. Yeah. So I had seen that. Yeah, that was kind of the first one. Then I seen Batman. I had seen Batman v Superman. I think two weeks later, because it was like Marchish. Um, you know, this was this took the Valentine's Day slot this year, which Kingsman occupied last year. And I hate to keep coming back to Kingsman every damn time, but had Kingsman not come out last year, I think I would have liked Deadpool more because that sort of like shocking, like, oh my God, that like violence or stuff that happens that's almost like Looney Tune-esque in its absurdity. We got that in Kingsman. So I was kind of like, well, I've seen this before. Right. And just the fact that, you know, the, some of the jokes were really good. Um, Ryan Reynolds was great. Like he, he carried it for me but it's not one of those movies that i've gone back to just because like i i don't want to keep making every goddamn podcast about kingsman but it's like that movie was so charming and hit all those notes so perfectly anything that's going to get in that space like deadpool did has got to be even better for me to really like it that much well and And, i'm glad you brought that up because like like if i quip that it's like a diehard for the modern form like you're you're exactly right it was so kingsman ish yeah and whether and not in terms of story not in terms of story but in terms of tone and execution and all of that and the fact that it was a valentine's day weekend movie again you know yeah and uh okay so who directed kingsman (laughs) i'm sorry oh oh was it was it edgar wright Oh no no! It was kick-ass. Well, Matthew X-Men. Vaughn. Matthew, Matthew Vaughn. Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, regardless, that <clears throat> my my point was going to be kind of the same, which is Matthew. I think Matthew Vaughn and and Edgar Wright. What the heck is his name? Um, uh, <laughs> the Scott Pilgrim director. Uh, uh, pardon me while I've quickly Google this. Um, just edgar wright for some reason i thought it was like edgar wright somethings they had like a third last name or something and i didn't even realize he directed uh scott pilgrim so thanks for that so but it you know deadpool benefited from the tone of those movies but i do i'm i'm you know uh there is a britishness to the matthew vaughn and edgar wright movies Mm -hmm. that is um whereas deadpool is like felt to me tonally like definitely american mm, and in canada <laughs> because because i definitely prefer it to kingsman i mean i, you're, I know oh, you're, a, you're a huge kingsman fan and okay, I, I really enjoyed kingsman but um I, I sort of saw it the other way of like deadpool was like what i wanted kingsman to be. kingsman and a couple of those other i, I uh movies and whatever however we want to tie that genre together mm-hmm. suffer a little bit from the like tarantino like gore porn okay okay which and that's kind of that's what i thought deadpool was going to be i just thought like oh my god it's it's going to be like dead alive or something where there's some gore in deadpool too though oh there's a lot of gore but it's not um you know i'm thinking i was thinking of like those the the um yeah old horror movies like uh like dead alive or something where there's okay a dude with a lawnmower that's like just mowing down (laughs) something and which happens in Kingsman a little bit, yeah. but um, you know, Deadpool to me, I don't know. It just it just worked a little bit better. So um, yeah, I wouldn't. You know, you know, I'm not going to fight it than like Kingsman more. <laughs> well, and, and again, I don't want to make this all about Kingsman, but I think as you were talking, the thing about Kingsman that works so well is that it takes this sort of very charming, sophisticated 
sort of fabric and just pokes all these holes in it, right? Or or takes like, you know, this like what would otherwise be a freaking Jane Austen story or just a, a typical like, you know, um, you know, Downton Abbey story and takes like a, a lighter, just like burns holes through it. And you're like, Jesus. Whereas with Deadpool, the the you know the character of wade and like the world is all grungy and and sort of lower it's lower class and just it feels filthier to begin with so when you add in these like extreme kinds of things it doesn't modulate as much as kingsman does and i think that's where i was kind of like okay like it totally felt a little bit more even which i know is is usually good but in this case it's like well hmm yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue with that. I, th- I think you're right. It, it didn't. I don't think it modulated too much. In fact, one of the things that kind of shocked me about Deadpool. I don't know if I can tie this in very well, but the I didn't expect there to be such a deep background story, origin story kind of thing, especially yeah. with like the love interest thing. Oh yeah, and it, it stayed in the tone, but it was almost like um, when they when they came out of that story and he is Deadpool and he's much wackier than he, you know, was, mm-hmm. you know, in the past. Um, that to me felt like a, like, you know, like a, a sort of modulated, you know, like that, that modulation was right there, mm-hmm. but it was so okay. brief. And I, I almost felt like, gosh, I wish he'd been like even quippier mm-hmm. in the, in the flashbacks or it was just funny because that that was sort of a thing where I was like, ooh, the tone kind of slipped for me right there. But it was such a that's that to me is like nitpicky because it didn't take me out of the the um the movie at all. I, I was just kind of shocked that there was like an emotional backstory, I guess, to Deadpool mm-hmm. that, that they put in there. So yeah. I I, pro- I probably would have enjoyed it if they hadn't had that um and had done uh almost like a a joker and dark knight thing where maybe he gave you a couple of different backstories and you're like which one is real is that, that would have been awesome he keeps cutting to a new one he's like <clears throat> but that's bullshit like almost like clue right. it's like this could have happened but maybe it's this and oh like, man if they had done deadpool like clue that would have been hilarious <laughs> see that that's that extra gear that i wanted yeah. where it's like oh my god like i think it and I'm sure most of it is a, is budget constraints and just the fact that Tim Miller hasn't directed a movie movie before. Tim Miller's directed a lot of great video game stuff. Don't get me wrong. But this is the first like full featured movie he's done because he's, you know, he's later in his career. He's built up to it. He's totally earned it. Don't get me wrong. But it's like I think had he been a little bit more seasoned we would have gotten that extra gear like okay, let's let's add let's pepper in some extra stuff. Yeah. Um well, it was almost like it, it was almost like to me, it was like they were uh, they were pushing it so much with just a superhero cursing and having gore and stuff like that and making fun of the X-Men that <clears throat> that they sort of didn't want to push it in some other ways yeah, yeah. where we we might have liked them to, like it. If that sure, backstory yeah. had been, you know, crazier or more uh, confusing or something, it might have been OK for it might have been OK for like a weird suicide squad kind of like I, that's actually one of the reasons uh i'm so glad you brought up suicide squad <laughs> in relation to civil war because we can talk about it without having to talk about the movie but um the i was actually okay with sort of the introduction of the characters in suicide squad how the the title cards kind of came up and explained who they were yeah I was because because i felt like yeah let's skip all this like we don't need and and then the way they um uh, is will smith deadshot is that his character's yeah. name yeah um like the way they sort of tied in his emotional backstory mm-hmm. uh was great 
Like that was fine. That's all we needed. I didn't need a 20 minute diversion into this like whole story about everything, you know? I really wonder though, like, remember that this shit on Suicide Squad is they had a cut and then the studio brought in the group that edited the trailer and made them do a cut. And mm. the movie we saw was a merged version of those two cuts. I wonder if that sort of quick pace, like cut to the chase kind of stuff was in the original. Well, um, there's an extended version of it uh, for rent and sale right now. Mm. And F film school rejects has a hilarious review of like Take how, of how uh, useless it is. You know, like we, nobody needed an extended cut of this movie. I'm sure not. I mean, nobody needed that. I mean, the movie, I, I uh, par, you know, pound for pound, it against Bat Batman v Superman, I like it better because it kind of seemed to – they kind of – I know, right? I, but I, I – as odd as this is to say as a good thing, I think they took a lot of the Batman v Superman criticism very seriously, and that's why they brought in that other group to do another edit. Like, we've got to tighten this thing up a little bit more. Um, here's my other question. Go back to Deadpool, though. What did you think about the, the way they handled the X-Men? Was that did it seem off putting that there was only two of them that you ever saw? Like they, I mean, they explained it. It was hilarious how they explained it. But it's like, yeah. was it? And were the did the two they choose work for you? So, and I don't know. Uh, you know, I'll just preface it with I don't know in the comics. You know, like if there's a, a existing relationship between Colossus and Deadpool or um, uh, uh, what's her name, Teenage Warhead. What it. <laughs> Negasonic teenage. Negasonic. <laughs> a Grant um, Morrison creation, by the way. But they, but I just thought they were, they were awesome foils for him. Like they were, yeah. their personalities were so like Colossus being portrayed in that way was. The Boy Scout. But almost so accurate to how I remember when I first started reading X Men. Like that's how he was. He was always he, be prepared. Yeah, and he was. He always. They always like wrote him with these funny you know, uh, uh, like tropey Russian accent kind of things that he would say. And he was very much like this big brother to his, his younger sister, Ilyana. And so that's how I remember him, like in the nineties, like that was, mm -hmm. that was how he was written. And, um, yeah, Negasonic, I have no comic book relationship to, but she was just perfect in the movie. I mean, obviously like just, you know, who, like such an awesome thing to have like, a teenager making fun of Deadpool as like an old guy. <laughs> and she's just, she couldn't be less interested in him. She's just texting the whole time. Just like, okay, whatever, you know, he can heal. Cool. Yeah. Oh, and I, I almost forgot my, like my favorite part of it was that, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite parts was that, uh, Gina Carano is, um, the, uh, you know, the bad guy's right-hand woman that does all his ass kicking for him. Who's um, that? So she <laughs> is, um, I, I Yes, uh, an MMA fighter. But oh, okay. She, she was in um, Steven Soderbergh's Haywire, mm -hmm. um, which is a movie that <laughs> I've, I find very uh, – that's awkward. I awkwardly defend it. Like, I really like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I just – you know, I, I liked her as a foil for Negasonic, like, when they're in that battle. Um or uh, or when, there's a, I don't know there's a whole battle at the end where Colossus and Negasonic are fighting whatever her name is and uh, what is her name? It's my favorite moment there too is when her boob kind of falls out and he's like oh I'm so sorry uh, <laughs> you cover up and she takes that as and an it, advantage and it was so like 
cool in a movie that's already like vulgar and full of violence and stuff <laughs> that they didn't go the extra step and like show it and yes, and make you. it like okay now it's really about looking at this woman's breast you know exactly that's see it's that kind of confidence that gave like i kept exactly. bouncing back and forth between i wish they take it into another gear but oh man there you can tell there was moments like that where they're like we know what we're doing like just just yeah just hang back Angel or, uh, that's right yeah <laughs> she was cool she was great too like she didn't she kind of in that tradition of hiring like wrestlers or fighters and stuff to play, you know, you have what's his face in guardians of the galaxy who does, you know, he, he doesn't have to act a lot. He just has right. to say words and very, she doesn't, I don't think she says a single word really. And she just, it's all face acting that works really well. Like she, you know, she carries yeah. the presence incredibly well. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean that, <laughs> uh, that that's, that's probably all the notes I got on Deadpool. Well, let's let's <laughs> jump from an, the X-Men of Deadpool to the real X-Men because that's and this is the one I'm glad we're ending on this one because X-Men Apocalypse of all the movies this summer was the one that I actually was like, "Oh, this is this is more what I was hoping for, right? This is kind of a return to form." Uh, I didn't, I, it wasn't my absolute favorite X-Men movie, but it wasn't, I mean, a lot of people kind of shit on it and I don't know why yeah. I thought, you know, it was, it did everything it needed to do. Yeah. Oscar Isaac could have tried harder or been <laughs> directed harder, like considering how good he is. Yeah. They could have done a little bit more, but what, I mean, at that point you're to your, you know, to a comic made earlier, you're going to have to split it into two movies. Like there's only so much you can do in the context of two hours. Right. And it's like, right. I think all the things I wanted to see would have been better for an X-Men TV show. So it's like, for what it was, I mean, the fact that it's Brian Singer, who every, it, he, man, he's polarizing because a lot of people love what he did with the genre. They, he made it serious. You know, he made it, he, you can, you can lay a lot of what we're seeing now in terms of comic movies on his original X-Men one and two, like they sort of paved the way along with blade and a couple of those early two thousands movies. Um, so the fact that he's back and I, I just, I love totally what he does with the X-Men. Like I just, everything he does works for me. And then you throw John Ottman's score in there and like every, you know, and John <laughs> Ottman usually edits the movies too. So I, he's one of those weird cats who does the music and the editing at the same time for these singer movies. Like, I think he did that for Valkyrie too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that one or double check me, but like, uh, yeah, <laughs> when that John, when that John Ottman, that Don, like when that kicks in, it's like, you know, and that was like when that didn't happen in the third X-Men movie. And when it didn't happen in first class, even though I freaking love first class too, like when that music kicks in, you're like, Oh, this is X-Men. This is the X-Men movies that I love right here. So that was, you know, that opening sequence was really hooked me in and I was in it till the end. Well, I, I was the same way. And uh, you had even told me over the summer that you enjoyed it. And I think I was like, you know, like, <laughs> like coming out of Civil War and Superman versus Batman. I just I just didn't give it a shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was one of those, you know, same same thing as Civil War where I was like, well, I, you know, I got some time to kill. Let me just uh, check this out on digital video. And um, I. Well, the other thing that also turns me off was we already knew it was going to be about this giant cataclysmic event. And not only am I tired of that in superhero movies in general, yeah. but the X-Men especially, because it's been like, except for X-Men 1. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and maybe first class, you could oh, argue. No, 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 no. You can argue. Well, no, I guess you're right. I was going to say oh, you can no. argue two, but twos, they were trying to kill everybody in the world. So yeah, two was more. Yeah, yeah. Two and three and... uh 
at first class, it seemed like they were only about to kill the the well, 12 or so X-Men and Hellfire Club members on that island. You yeah, know? but they were going to kick off freaking World War II if they didn't stop it. Right. You know, so it's like... Which was, little... I, which was a kind of cool uh, way to, you know, weave in the history and give a kind of an alt history to it. But anyway, you know, so knowing that it was Apocalypse, I was, I was wary. Yeah. But I instantly loved the interplay between, you know, the young characters and... I mean, it was just like you said, like I just strapped in immediately and was like, oh, I'm in. This is awesome. Yeah, um, it's, it was. And I went into it, too, going, man, I just got I've been disappointed. Not massively, but like Batman v Superman was meh. Civil War was meh, meh. Yeah, and so I was just kind of like, oh, come on, please just give me give me something. And the fact that right away and it, you know, it was it was hokey and it was, you know, kind of cheesy and stuff. But it's like that. I needed that after the sort of you know dearth of february through april right it's like i just needed something a little bit more and then i mean let's let's spoiler a few things like the fact that they brought that singer kind of brought back the the phoenix thing again at the very end even though it had nothing to do with the story other than just a cool moment i am one of those people who go to the mat every time saying had singer completed had had stayed on x-men and not foolishly run off to superman and finished (laughs) that third one and like helped write it and helped direct it that third one could have been unbelievable because he set up oh my god see i used i i still am but for the longest time that x-men 2 was my favorite movie bar none of any movie ever because what they did not only was it like the the pacing was perfect the character moments were perfect but he does this thing where he takes a, a, a singular five-second moment in X-Men 1, where at the end of the battle, Jean Grey, you know, they're all teaming up. They're like, we're all going to use our powers to stop Magneto. Cyclops, you hold him – or no, uh, uh, Jean, you hold him in place. Storm, you you wave him over that way. Cyclops, you do this. And when all that's done, you know, they, they, they finish it. There's this five seconds. It's all it is. It's like maybe even three seconds where Jean, she's got like this reaction like something's wrong. And they don't ever talk right. about it again through the rest of the movie. Like that's towards the end. And then they start X-Men 2 and they're like, oh no, that's still happening. And it's going to build and it's going to build. And so you get to the end of X-Men 2 and you're like, oh my God, he threaded this moment perfectly through. And now he's set up this amazing thing that Brett Ratner freaking just took a dump on in the third one. And oh, it's, it was, it was <laughs> we, should, we should do X-Men 3 in a how did this get made style. Oh, because it would be it's been... I, that's one of those movies where I, you know, I watched it in the theater and it was kind of like watching Phantom Menace in a way where I walked out and was like, I really want to say I liked it. <laughs> but I knew like, I was like, no, that was, it was I sat, <laughs> dude, I sat in the theater. I was, I was there opening night, at midnight. I was so excited. Even though I know there was a different director and stuff. I'm like, oh my God, there's no way they can ruin this. He gave them the perfect gift. And it was like yeah. the last episode of Lost. Like every 10 minutes, my heart just sank a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more to where at the very end when Wolverine's like, Gene, I'm just like, just kill kill everybody. Just you kill him, you kill her. And just let's just end this. Put them out of their misery. Because there's I just don't know where you take. So the fact that Brian Singer could come in the, what was the, uh, oh, Days of Future Past, which I also loved. Like, Brian Singer can come and take Days of Future Past and basically say, yeah, that movie didn't really happen. And oh also God, that, 
that shitty Wolverine movie, that didn't happen either. And um, we're just going to pretend those movies didn't happen. One and two did, but those movies did not. And and basically, you erase them from the continuity was A, a magic trick, and B, just like, I love Days of Future Past. So I would say Days of Future Past is better than Apocalypse by far, but Apocalypse was still really fun, right? Like, it just, it was... You know, and it's sad that Singer isn't going to be doing any more, or so he says. So I'm just like, well, yeah. And I love Matthew Vaughn in First Class, so he can come back anytime. And you know, um, I'm not a yeah. I, I I gotta I I think I would probably put Days of Future Past and Apocalypse. I think I would say I like Days of Future Past better, but mm, wow. But they feel tonally the same to me. Like, they do, yeah. Because uh, I, I'm not a huge Cyclops fan. But all the young Scott Summers and Alex Summers stuff in Apocalypse, I was into it. Oh, know? it was fun. Yeah. And um, and the and of course, and then the one thing I wanted to bring up the character I, I, that we all obviously love is Quicksilver. Yeah. And the way that Apocalypse brought in who, who we can only assume is the Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. as because uh, Magneto is the father of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, and you know when they're uh, when they are attempting to arrest him in Russia mm-hmm. uh, because he's used his powers and they are afraid that it is actually Magneto and um, and the little girl has this crazy or his daughter has this crazy reaction and this sort of these birds start attacking the men. It's very witchcrafty mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know it's like oh that's a Scarlet Witch and then to have <laughs> what happens happen, which is that the men the policemen accidentally kill her. Yeah. Um, it was just so like, oh my god! Like you know, it was in that moment where you're like, yeah, of course Magneto just wants to scorch the earth. You know, well, like this is. You know, I never thought I never put two and two together, but you're right because they've shown um, they've shown Quicksilver in uh, first class and days of was he in first? Class? No, he's not in first class. Oh, he's he's, only, he's only days of future. But that's actually why I hesitated to say that I liked it better, and then I realized it was his origin story in that first. Or not origin story, but that first scene that we yeah. you know, freaked out about where he's in slow motion in the. Uh, <laughs> but if you. Oh, yeah. yeah and then the thing in the time. And, in the and that like sort of circle. Yeah. Yeah. The time in the bottle. That's exactly what I was trying um, to But they show him in that movie, like clinching his like sister while Magneto's like, you know, addressing the, the world on TV. So, the, it, he, yeah, he has a sister there, but it's never like it's just such a throwaway moment. So like the fact that oh, okay. this other girl could be his half sister is. I like that way more. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this now with that in mind. Cause that's well, a cool twist. Almost, I wonder if there was like a, if there actually had to be a legal agreement or if Fox and Marvel studios just sort of like, if the writer directors, like, you know, if the, if the, uh, if, if Feige watched days of future past and went for shit's sake, we're never going to do Quicksilver better than that. We're just yeah. going to kill him off in Ultron. <laughs> And likewise, if Fox watched Ultron and went, damn it, that was a good Scarlet Witch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we give in. We'll kill her off in Apocalypse. <laughs> you know what else is interesting? So going back to Deadpool real quick, um, there was a uh, there was a trade where Marvel owned Negasonic because of the way it was created by Grant Morrison. Oh. Fox owned Mogo, the Living Planet. So. When uh, James Gunn started doing Guardians, he has come out and has said he was always going to – Mogo was always going to be um, Star-Lord's father, and he always was going to cast Kurt Russell as that role. So when he found out they didn't have the rights to it, he's like, well, you guys kind of need to get that. So Marvel's like, hey, so we want Mogo, and they're like, well, cool, because we want Negasonic, and so they just did a trade. 
So that's why those two characters ended up where they did. All that back and forth between the studios with the Marvel Universe. And this is, I, when, I, when we proposed the topic for tonight's show, I, I think I brought up like, oh, I just binged all these movies. And, and you were the one who proposed, like, we, let's just tie this into the MCU, like, in general. And I, I, I'm, like, fascinated by the, the Sony Fox Marvel standoffs and <laughs> truces. And, you know, I mean, because Civil War, we've got, we finally got a Spider-Man that, you know, yeah. like, kick some ass yeah. and that we, everyone seems to be, um, you know, into, um, we certainly have an aunt Bay that I'm into. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I just, uh, yeah, but I, I love hearing like, you know, stories of that. Um, we, did we ever talk? I mean, not that we want to get into this, but along the studio lines is that I did watch that new fantastic four movie eventually. Oh, Jesus. Why? god awful <laughs> like it's the only superhero movie i i can recall that has gotten worse once they get their superpowers <laughs> it's it's i it it's the first movie besides kingdom of heaven where i just had to turn it off and like i just i couldn't really? and i came back and i tried again so i didn't even make it all the way through i'm just like i can't i can't do this it's um yeah i don't know that i i, I wouldn't i couldn't claim that i made it all the way through i think i let it play through but i think at some point i just got up and did something else <laughs> you know what's really obnoxious about that movie so go tying that back to x-men one of the co-writers on the screenplay simon freaking kinberg now if you're not aware simon kinberg has written let me just go through the the list um x-men apocalypse X-Men Days of Future Past, the Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr., Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, he did write co-write X-Men The Last Stand, so there's that. Um, <laughs> oh, so maybe mm, – oh, he wrote a lot of the Star Wars Rebels episodes. So wait. Okay, I take it back. He is kind of hit and miss. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean nothing about it added up to being a good movie. Uh, that's what but, – but I guess what primarily interests me is, as we have discussed on the show before – I think the dumbest superpower is stretching. Yeah, um, and and being really fast yeah. used to be a, a second place to that. Although the TV show Flash and the Quicksilver stuff in X Men has changed my mind on that. Like that. Well, I think. Well, and and just by the looks of it, the way they're going to do Flash in the movies looks pretty yeah. cool too. Oh my god, man! Barry Allen's going to save that goddamn franchise. He and Wonder Woman are going to be the marquee characters moving forward. I, I it, guarantee. This is one of the incredibly frustrating things about the theatrical print of superman versus batman there is a flash moment in the extended cut i'll just you got it i like i don't want to spoil it i don't want to tell you what happens beyond just it, him on a on a surveillance yes. video mm. fucking blew me away mm. um and it's like and you're just like screaming at your screen like why did you cut this out oh jesus of all the things you could have cut out we needed less lex Oh, you know, God. don't even remind me for, for a moment. You, there was a, there was a crystal clear moment just now where I was thinking, yeah, I want to rewatch that until you said Lex. I'm like, Oh, I got to put up with all I, that. I knew it. Uh, Cause in my mind, in my he, mind, he is definitely not redeemed in the extended cut. It's not like there a cut exists where you're like, Oh, I get where they were going with that asinine character. In the universe yeah. of my mind, Oscar Isaac is Lex Luthor and all is right with the world like that. You know, I, <laughs> what did you think of Oscar Isaac as apocalypse, by the way, going back to X-Men? I, there were, there was probably an, a whole hour of the movie where I was like, why did you even, uh, you know, pay this guy? Like, it could have been anyone. Like, could have been Clancy Brown. I mean, that was my He had, like, thought. no lines, you know, for half the movie. They were all delivered in this way where it's like, 
you know, like any, anyone could have done it. And then, uh, but then with the struggle between him and professor X, uh, I can't say that it needed Oscar Isaac, but I got it. Like, I was like, Oh, he's, this is a, like, this is a good villain. At yeah, this point. he brought some gravity. He, I mean, he wasn't terrible. He just, I'm like, you... <sighs> and I, I really liked the whole weird origin story of, like, maybe this is how a god is made. Yeah. Like, there, this, is, this is a crazy reference, but in Groundhog Day... <laughs> <laughs> um, Continue. Bill, Bill Murray's Go character on. tells Andy McDowell's character, he's like, I am a god. Oh, and good she's like, She's like, what? Like, what is wrong with you? And he and he narrates a series of events that are about to happen. He's like, this yeah. guy's going to drop a tray of glasses. That guy's going to say, nice job, whatever. And he tells her all about herself and stuff. And she's like, what's, you know, she's questioning him. And he says, look, maybe that's the way the real God is. Maybe he doesn't have superpowers. Maybe he was just been around long enough that he knows everything. <laughs> that's, wow. You just then, changed oh. my... My game on Groundhog Day too, because you're right. That's, that's Groundhog Day is like the most philosophical movie I've ever seen. Oh I've watched God. that hundreds of times, and on one Groundhog Day at Blockbuster, I just put it on repeat for my entire eight-hour shift. And <laughs> nice. I was the man- manager, and nobody, none of my employees could do shit about. Oh, it. that's great. That's perfect, though. Like I would, if I walked uh, into a Blockbuster and that was ha- like that would be. Wouldn't I would, you, I wouldn't you stay there for like an hour? <laughs> Oh yeah, and then I and then I would walk up to you and go, "Do you just keep this on repeat all day?" <laughs> yeah. like, no, we do. Like, oh my god, yeah, I did. <laughs> Let me rent even more from you. I um, the only problem I had with with Apocalypse that was kind of that was a a, a lingering problem was just this idea that, and I get it. I get Jennifer Lawrence is a massive actress now, and you want to sell a movie off of her her performance, but Mystique isn't that interesting in this movie at all. Like, we she, didn't need not. her to. To be like, she didn't need to be the the sort of fulcrum character. She didn't need to be like nothing. Like she could have been removed entirely, and that movie still would have functioned basically the same way. Like, I, you know, I think technically you're right, but I I would argue like that I, I, I that she really was the fulcrum. I I loved that they like one of the the great moments of it is when uh, Hank tells her when she's surrounded by the kids at the school. He's like, they look up to you. Mm. you know and like that i was like oh like it, like it was like i got chills kind of moment of like oh the importance <sighs> of mystique to the x-men legacy like the story that these kids have been told is you know that's that was really powerful to me and so i okay. just just for that i thought it worked but i i agree with you like technically she's not a powerful character but there was another moment where she um right when she was like you know flipping into her blue skin where I, I was like just momentarily so impressed with the connection between all these movies that Singer's done to the Rebecca Romaine mystique, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh man, you know, you just, there, there've been moments like that in days of future past and in apocalypse and even in, and oh, in first class too, where Jennifer Lawrence's character, uh, you see that there was an alternate history that turns her into the Rebecca Romaine character. Okay, you know? thank you, thank you for that because my, I'm so glad you brought this up. When Days of Future Past happened, the biggest critique people had was, I thought Mystique was a bad guy. I'm like, can, and and then everybody was like, how did you know? Knowing that Days of Future Past was coming, there I'm like, wouldn't 
forget all that. Like we have two, three more movies where we get to see her arc into becoming more evil. Like how heartbreaking would it be to know by the time? And this is before we knew that they were going to, you know, destroy the continuity and get rid of X-Men three. I'm like, I'm like, how awesome would it be to know, to, to see her descent and then go back and rewatch X-Men one and two and watch her like sabotage Charles machine. Like Mm -hmm. I want to see that, like that's going to hold a whole new meaning if we can see how she got there. And I think I'm not saying she had to go full bad and I get days of future past her to change the course of events, but I would have liked to have seen her a little bit more desperado at the end instead of like, you know, I'm the new leader of the X-Men. I'm like, well, okay, I I guess, (laughs) but it's just like, I wanted to see her. I wanted to see her go rogue again. Like she did at the end of days of future past. Right. It wasn't like, she's like, Charles, you're my best friend again. She's like, you I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'll be back. You know, the other big thing, and I didn't remember this until just now is the continuity between days of future past and apocalypse. There's a big missing holes. And the biggest one of all is, um, Wolverine. So we see him at the end of days of future past. He is captured. He's pulled out of the, of the ocean of the, the lake or wherever yeah. they are in DC. He's put on a boat. You think by William Stryker, who's really mystique. So mystique pulled him out yet somehow in apocalypse, he's truly captured by Stryker and turned into the weapon X mutant that we well, all know. Do I? Okay. So am I misremembering this? I don't remember the reveal that mystique was Stryker in that moment on the boat. She, her eyes do the mystique yellow swishy oh. thing. So I'm like, don't do that if you're not going to pay it off like later on or just make it like even a comment uh, going back to your original point about just like give us a little context. Like if she had made a comment like, you know, I had him and Stryker took him, you know, like at some point, like something. Just give me a, a line that sort of suggests why this is the case. I'll um, use the uh, the phrase that uh, our, our earlier credited friend Brian hates when I use, which is uh... – <laughs> Wolverine was such a deus ex machina in, <laughs> in apocalypse. Like they, it was like, there are these kids that are trapped and they're like, yeah. somehow, so how are these kids going to get out without like an, an escape, like 200 soldiers? Oh, yeah. what if, <laughs> what if all they do is release Wolverine and he does all the dirty work for them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you. That was, that was kind of a loose end. I, I forgot that Mystique was revealed as striker in uh, yeah, days of future just, past. Just something, something. Even if she were to go off with Magneto, like you know, just something to suggest that the events of movies one and two could still happen if if we believed hard enough. You know, just something that where she's not just. And it, it would have been even more heartbreaking to like these kids love you, and she's like, I can't stay. You know, I just can't deal with that pressure. That that sort of. I can't square that in my head. Like just something where I want a little bit more heartbreak. It seemed like the yeah. the ending was a little too clean for me. I was I, honestly, I was shocked that they all lived yeah. because Ooh, th- yeah. that, that was kind of on my mind was like, well, I mean, th- there's gotta be some sacrifice here, you know, besides did, just professor. Angel being bald. Uh, Angel- I, I guess, I guess we're led to believe he, he did like storm joined them. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Olivia Munn, whoever her character is. Named. Yeah. She escaped. Right. Or did yeah. she also, did she also, crash to earth and no, no she's she, she's like i'll be back she does one of those like i'll be back sort of turns yeah. to the camera i'm like all right no, an angel right. i guess we're led to believe dies or something but i, I guess, guess he's yeah. he not in such a uh you know definitive way that he can't be resurrected believably sure so yeah. i before we uh sign off I'll, I'll mention i think we've mentioned on earlier podcasts but 
if you have not seen the rogue cut of Days of Future Past, I highly recommend it. I have not yet. I need to go you do have that. Gotta watch it. If you enjoyed Days of Days of Future Past, it, it just adds such a basically they shot the whole movie with Rogue in it. Mm-hmm. And then I guess for time's sake, um, which this is ingenious on its own, they just removed all the instances of Rogue. Like there's <laughs> There's one moment where she has to take over for Kitty Pride because remember Kitty gets hurt in this one attack. Oh yeah, yeah. Bre- that like breaches that room that they're in, like controlling mm-hmm. Logan's mind, mm-hmm. and Rogue has to absorb her power, and they have to pull her off of Wolverine, and Rogue has to sit there and have her hand her hands on either side of his head, and it's like just the digital alteration they did just in this very very brief moment so that it's. <laughs> not rogue's hands but it's kitty prides just to make the theatrical version work it's like that's every part i mean it's 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 like so interesting because of the how they just fully wiped her appearance out of the movie and she was actually in tons of scenes um and i I where where can i I find that cut is that on the dvd or the blu-ray uh that i don't know about because it i saw it when it was on hbo for a brief moment Um, uh, HBO did this weird thing in the HBO Now app last year where like one month they had the original cut the next month they had a rogue cut and then it went back to the original cut and the rogue cut never resurfaced (laughs) but um, it's also on like Google Play and I'm sure on iTunes and stuff so uh, it's it's just fascinating you know and and like I was saying I I love Anna Anna Paquin's version of Rogue and um, so seeing that movie recut with her in it was awesome nice well on yeah. that note where can folks find you sir i am on twitter at hey todd a where can people find you taylor i'm on twitter at hey don't no, not hey <laughs> at, <laughs> i was like at hey taylor. Yeah, i feel like every time we go to the credits uh, one of us <laughs> throws the other one off <laughs> I, i'm on twitter at taylor trask and the both of us are on their.network um type at, that into a browser as there well that. as wherever podcasts are, are distributed, uh, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Google Play, yeah. and any of them. Go find it. Yeah, and this is the Todd and Taylor Show. We also have another show that is kind of like uh, uh, How Did This Get Made in, Ooh, the, yeah. in the sense that there are two dudes and a lady discussing movies. <laughs> and in no other way is it like How Did This Get Made. But it is called Missing the 80s, and that is when Taylor and our friend Fia uh, tell me about seminal they claim movies from the 80s that i did not see and we have done willow and um i'm what's the second one we did (laughs) (laughs) never ending story never ending story (laughs) i almost no i almost mentioned the one we're about to do yeah yeah, me too willow and never ending story which everyone is shocked that i have not not seen um and we are doing flight of the navigator on our third episode so you should definitely find missing the 80s which is on their.network um it's also on itunes and google play and all that stuff missing the I'm 80s w- i'm wondering if we should change it to two dudes and a lady discuss movies because that's kind of a fun <laughs> title too it's <laughs> that could be the that could be the tagline just two dudes and a lady discuss movies although it is the conceit is that todd hasn't seen any of these so it's like fee and i explain them to you yeah i have and... missed the 80s that's right um, yeah. Despite well, been... being older than both of you and having grown up in that decade. <laughs> well, that's a whole other show, too. It's like, okay. We shockingly, like, no matter how young our friend is that we mention one of these movies to, they're, they're always blown away that I haven't seen them. Like, it's so sh- it is shocking. Yeah, there's say. people that are like 23 that 
are is they're like is so steeped in geek culture that of course they've seen Willow and Neverending Story, and it's like I can't believe you, Todd, who was a <laughs> walking around child when those movies came out, yeah. did not see them. Yeah, it's it is it is strange to say the least. Well, it's been fun. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah, Enjoy. later. <laughs> <laughs>